Welcome to the Harkoverse. <laughs> On this episode, we're speaking to D. Stevens, audio mixing mastering engineer who currently works out of Roundhead Studios, as well as a being a member of the bands Marlins Dreaming and School Fair. Now, D's recently worked with artists like Ringlets, Ernie Bell, Violet Hurst, and Office Dog for their amazing debut record, Spiel. This podcast is an independent, DIY, unfunded, so if you'd like to support, feel free to share and spread the good word of the Harkoverse. And extra for experts, go sign up for the newsletter. That's enough from me. This is a great chat with D. Gets a little bit technical at times, so that's what you want from someone who can make music just sound so, so goddamn good. So enjoy. The Harkoverse, D. Stevens. Um, I didn't really do a whole lot of research for this interview. Um, one, because I, I knew I, I wouldn't necessarily have to. And two, because there's really not much about you online anyway. Um, right. I did find one thing, though, that <laughs> on, on, uh, I found a stuff article from 2015 what? Um, the headline is Lincoln High School Band Wins Canterbury Final of Smoke Free Rock Quest. And then a few sections down, it says second place in the band category went to psychedelic jazz three-piece Forlorn Bloom. Oh, my God. From Hagley oh, no. Community College, um, <laughs> which lists you as the third member on drums. Correct. Um, tell me about Forlorn Bloom. Oh, gosh. Um all on Bloom, it was, well, there was a couple of friends of mine. I was at this music college thing at Hagley, which was for my final couple of years of high school. Um, and they they sort of were like writing and doing these kind of like proggy. It was like if, if shreddy metal was in ma- a major key and then all the distortion was off, so it was clean. And, um, and then I think they just needed a drummer and that was kind of what I was an instrument I was focused on at the time and I and you know I thought it would be fun and then um ended up doing rock quest even though I wasn't really keen on it but we did quite well obviously so I mean yeah all, all the be- that bad all the best musicians come second or third <laughs> I mean you would know you've been part of that world for a while right? <laughs> doing like MC stuff so you would you'd be aware of that totally but I never did pick up um well, maybe I'm misremembering it. Maybe I did get a first place. I mean, I did it for like four years, though, in mm. a row. So, right. And I mostly remember just coming second most of the time, or third. Um, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I liked, uh, I liked the um, yeah, psychedelic jazz three-piece. It's <laughs> a great yeah, description I, for a high school band. I can't remember it being psychedelic, but I mean, I, ca- I can't imagine the judges or the stuff journalists were... Can't have been any younger than at least thirty-five. No, I think so. I think everything's psychedelic to a stuff um, journalist. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love to imagine that. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose we should start. Uh, uh, I know it's very boring, but I think it's also really um, important because some people, producers, mixers, mixing engineers, recording engineers. Um, are actually, in, I think, incre- getting increasingly higher profiles or um, talked about or, or thought about a lot more um, mm-hmm. or a, a lot more widely now, actually, which is an interesting thing we could maybe talk about. But 
I, I suppose for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what your kind of day-to-day work looks like, um, mm. would you be able to let them know? Sure. Um, okay, well, I'm D, and um, I make records with friends and new people that come into my life and make friends while making records. Um, and aside from making records and making music with people, I also work full-time at a recording studio called Roundhead Studios in Auckland, where I um, do a large um, variety of jobs. Um, but yeah, I pretty much just work here and do most of my record making work here too, including sort of production work and mixing. Um, I used to do quite a bit of mastering, but I do a lot less of that these days just as just a time thing. Um, but yeah, I would consider myself a musician first and then, um, recording engineer. I think I just grew up in a musical family and have a very musical, um, yeah, background. And, um, yeah, I've been recording music roughly since I was probably about 13 or 14. So, um, that's pretty much what I do, what I've always done. (laughs) And, Walk me through what recording, your, your early attempts at recording music when you were 13, 14 and around that time, like what was, what did that look like? What was that experience? Um, well, I was in a high school band um, at the time with uh, Mitchell Ennis, actually, the drummer and office dog. Um, him and I had a band with a couple other friends and it was called the Fark Vards which was like Lord Farquaad mixed with Aardvark, like the animal in Aardvark. And, um, and we, um, yeah, Mitchell just had like some drums and stuff at his house. And I, and I remember his mum uh, one day just bought him like everything required to record the drums. So like a, one of those kits of drum mics that would have like some really terrible overheads and some, you know, they were sick. There's just this like nine microphones or something in a little box. And then, um, this I can't remember what maybe it was like an audient mixer or something something like really quite Alesis. Oh, it was an Alesis mixer that had a USB port out, so you could just go straight into your computer. And we used this like really crappy free Windows software called Mixcraft that I swear made things sound worse. <laughs> and um, and I think we I must have been like early fourteen or like late thirteen sort of age or something when we started trying to record stuff. Um, and we just really wanted to sound like like Radiohead and The Flaming Lips. And um, like we had we had really high expectations for what we wanted to make, you know, so writing and recording. And, and it would never really meet to that standard, obviously. But it was, um, that was kind of, yeah, that was the beginning really. And I think um, I just fell in love with it really quickly. And uh, during that time, like, where were you getting resources for what to do? Like, were you on YouTube watching things? Because YouTube was around then, right? Or, mm, mm, or, um, or were you really just fiddling and figuring it out? I think listening. Mm. I think just listening was the biggest one. Like, just he- listening to records and being like, how the fuck did that... Like, just like learning what like a mono sound sounds like and then... A compressed sound sounds like and then like um you know different kinds of modulation just like just listening and being like how do i do that 
um, mm. and then trying to recreate it. But definitely like, you know, YouTube and stuff was around. But I think from the beginning, it was I always found it really hard to take a lot of the stuff on YouTube seriously because um, there really are no rules. But like a lot of the stuff on YouTube is like, this is the type of microphone you have to use for this. And this is always how you EQ this. Or yeah, whatever. that's my um, favorite one. You've got to... That the magic frequency you've got to scoop, mm. that kind of stuff. It's that, eh? It's like, this is the, you know, this is how to make your mix sound better. But like, the whole thing is always so subjective, you know? And I think that a lot of young people on YouTube and stuff, or just on forums, taking up that advice, maybe it's like a good foundation, just at least getting some of the understanding of the technicals down. But I don't think that it's worth taking any of it on board to, to a degree of like, like taking it like it's gospel, you know, like um, be all and end all, which there is no such thing. Of course. And do you find it difficult? Because I've, I first became aware of you, I think, um, through the Marlin streaming record Hasten. Mm. Um, and then further on from that through the School Fear project as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find it difficult... I, I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is is there any, what are the differences to you in your experience being part of a recording process with a band you're also part of slash even writing for compared to um, recording process where you're not uh, directly in the band? Hmm. That's an interesting question because I think it's so project dependent. Mm. Um, like with, it's interesting cause with Marlins, I, I've always tried to have, um, kind of like a rule where I don't let my sort of production engineering cap come on too tightly while I'm working on that stuff. Cause I just kind of want to be a musician and just write and play guitar and keys or whatever, and not be thinking about, or not be thinking too hard about what this, this record should sound like, or how, how it should be recorded or, you know, I just want to be writing stuff and feel that world rather than be taken over by the technicals. Whereas with something like school fear or something, it is just us. Like it was born um, through us messing around with a tape machine and just like a couple of microphones. And and so, you know, different projects lend themselves to different, um, different emotions and and feelings around. Yeah. Either being a writer or um, an engineer. And sometimes they, those two things merge together, like the production and the writing are like one. Um, and in the instance of something like Marlins, as I was saying, it's kind of completely detached from each other, I'd say. Mm. Um, does that answer the question? No, it really does. Um, and I knew that School Fear project was kind of at least partly based around the method of recording, i.e. like the tape machine. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say it's like 100% about it, but no. that's definitely how it came about. It's just, um, I think me and Smithy were actually just making like, we were making like dub music or something on, <laughs> on it. And then Hamish just like stopped by and then it slowly turned into like angular rock music. And then Finlay just appeared as well. I think he'd just driven the whole country in a, in a van and then just arrived at our space and just started talking on it. And then it, then it became what it was. Did you... Because obviously that's quite a limited production um, setup, uh, and and I guess in a, in a in a modern compared to modern senses and every mm. little tools we have. Did 
was there anything that you learnt, say technically or from in a production or mixing sense from that project and working within those limitations? Um, or was it more just like I'm yeah. gonna just jam out and enjoy this? No, I think I think um, I mean like first and foremost, I, I must say like it's not by any standards a objectively good sounding record. You know, it's it sounds lo-fi it's a vibe record yeah for sure um and i think um if the if i learned anything it was probably just that um none of the none of the crap matters you know and when i say that i mean like you can just use an sm58 on the drums and you can just use four tracks and as long as the song's good or the riff's fun and you're having fun and it feels good then it it just doesn't matter you know um because I think we were kind of just not thinking about it at the time because we weren't trying to make a record. We were just like putting all this stuff down onto four tracks and being like, oh, okay, we've run out of four tracks. I guess that's that's done. And then like, you know, but then listening back, it's like, oh, this has such good feel and, and people are actually are responding to it that are listening to it. So, um, and the drums, uh, they do sound cool. They, they, they do sound good. And you can hear every part of the drum kit, you know, and they're punchy and, whatever but it's just like a 58 into a fucking Tascam thing it's like you know it sounds awesome it does sound awesome i i've i very much uh listen to that record quite often still yeah. um, thanks Isaac. yeah it's great and a great set at welcome to nowhere as well oh thank you yeah that was that. fun um are you very comfortable stepping into that role in a session uh, as Less so when you're in the band, I guess, but more so when you're kind of running production or or running recording. Are mm. you like comfortable stepping into that um, role of let's do another take, that's all good, kind of a, a leadership role within sessions? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I am. I think I naturally have like a good sense, like a good sense for leadership um, and a good sense for leading a project down like a good path, you know, keeping it on track and um, keeping in mind time management and keeping in mind like the overall picture at the same time as having like a kind of microscopic view of one thing we're working on or whatever, you know, I think I'm quite good at all of those things at once, which is probably why I'm able to do the job. Um, and I think I'm also able to be honest with people um, which helps, you know, like mm. being like a emotionally open person in that environment and just like being vulnerable with the artist or with another engineer or whoever and just, um, yeah, being, being sensitive but being honest. Yeah, totally. I think it, it's good that it suits you and I think a lot of people – it's it's definitely a role that requires a lot of that to do to for the job to work properly I think and um I think a lot of different personalities find their own way to kind of either sink or swim in that kind of role as well. Well um, by the same token, you know, you're not sometimes in a production it, it, like I said before it's kind of all of the stuff is project dependent so in some situations you the producer or engineer being in like it's not necessary for them to take a leadership type position and it can be more of just like stepping back and letting everything happen in front of you with these musicians or artists and and just capturing you know and just simply being like 
you know a vessel for things to flow through rather than being like this is how this should go or do another take because we can get it like this or you know mm. um it can be one of any sort of you know any person I um, interviewed Ryan Chin, aka Ryan mm. Ryan Fisherman, and we had a love good. Ryan. We love Ryan. Love love. Um, good job on the country emo, which was a cheeky master for you. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was probably one of the last ones I've done. Really, but it's, um, <laughs> he is just a great guy and an amazing songwriter, and it's a great record. It's a great sounding record. He did a great job on the mix, and I mean, yeah, that's a whole other thing. I think I am gonna. Um, do a little deep dive on that record with him because there is a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, but I've, I have already interviewed him for a kind of more Christchurch centric series I'm doing. And when we were talking about that, uh, t- talking to each other, uh, we talked about the role of a producer in a sense of um, making musicians comfortable mm-hmm. and how, again, that's one of those areas where each individual or each project is may need a different approach or have a different approach to that do you have any um tried or trusted go-tos in that realm for yourself in terms of making the people you're working with comfortable no no i I don't think so i feel like it's everyone is so different and you know sometimes there's five people in the room sometimes there's one person um sometimes you're in a studio or sometimes you're way out somewhere that you know recording in the country it's like um i think yeah it's always so different but you just have to be i think like actually probably if there's if there's anything it's just getting everything set up quickly you know it's like just getting things going so that and you know these these musicians can just start playing you know and they can be playing together live as well, if possible. I always like that. Just because I think, um, yeah, like that difference between, say, being in a rehearsal room where musicians are kind of in their comfortable zone, it's their space, and they're playing together and like working things out, and ideas can flow well. Whereas if as soon as you get into the studio, the feeling is so different and time kind of travels differently. And sometimes it's harder for those ideas or the communication between people to work as well as it was. Um, so if, you know, if I can just get the microphones going and do my end of it, just like as we go subtly, you know, but not making it about like, not making the whole event about me getting the sound, you know, cause that's not what it's about. So I feel like that attitude is probably just the one thing I try to have. As a little extension of that would how. Ha- how would you describe your like and just to get a little pretentious and 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 allow for some more like um technical chat as well mm-hmm. um would how would you describe your like philosophy or your approach um say on projects you're working with where you're in charge l- l- less so for i guess like client work and stuff um yeah what what would you describe your philosophy or your approach to like production and mixing and and sound of music uh, like, can you can you elaborate on the question? Like, what's my general general philosophy? Well, because I, for me, I would describe a D Stevens record as um, usually containing like some kind of really high amount of almost realism and like natural sounding stuff. 
And I would also describe a lot of them as very close sounding. Mm-hmm. And that, but but that's just me f- from completely outside your process listening to <laughs> the, the music. I mean, that's of great it. to hear because that's kind of what that's what I want things to sound like. So I guess that's I'm what I'm asking. That like, yeah, what in in your taste and in your in your mind, like, what are you going for? Um, are there any commonalities or or, or or general touches you think you have? Um. Yeah, I like when I can hear. Um, like the physicality of an instrument and the musician in the recording, you know, like when um, you can kind of hear things rustling or their fingers on the frets or, um, and like if you're listening to a vocalist, uh, you know, I love it when the recording sounds like the microphone's basically in their throat, Mm. like in their head and you can hear every little, it's like so thick and um, it's so textured and, and warm and, um, yeah, I just I I like texture and I like depth. So when something is like close, but then there's another thing that's like kind of far away, or maybe feels like it's behind you, or you know, just space. But I do like when things are kind of like unrealistically distorted in dimension. You know, when something's too close, or there's like a really close, like quietly played thing, but it has this like crazy reverb on it. Where it's like. Mm-hmm you know, pushing it out into space or something. Um, I like things, yeah, that it just, it's like you're making the three-dimensional nature of reality even more expanded or something, you know. Um, And then I think I just, yeah, I always look back to um, that kind of young age I was talking about earlier when I sort of was learning when I was a young teenager and stuff. And I remember I had these little, that this pair of, like desktop computer speakers, like really crappy little white ones that you'd just use on an old PC. And I used to like lie them on my pillow with me in bed late at night, right next to my ears, like kind of like headphones, but just like slightly um, like maybe 10 centimeters off my ears on either side and just lie down and have them like facing me. And I swear to God, it's the best sounding thing I've ever heard. Like listening to like a, a record through these shitty speakers just like um like it sounded like the sound was in my head Mm. and um you know if something was panned off to the right it's like i could feel it there right next to me or you know and i i always try to like achieve that sensation um you know getting moved by a recording like almost physically moved yeah that's great is that is that a challenge sometimes to achieve when again you're maybe working at speed in terms of the recording process of it or, or sometimes working with live or or, yeah. or this yeah definitely yeah yeah i mean i think um there's been some projects in the past where i've had all the time in the world to um like think about it and figure out mic placement or um think about how an artist uses their instrument and, and try and like finesse my recording on my you know mixing in a way that it, i do i come out with a really satisfying effect but then yeah if there's some scenarios where it's like okay we've just got to push through this and like i'll sort it out later you know I, i'm just like trying to get the best recording i can get so that i can do some really like weird mixing stuff later on that's gonna give me what i want um but you learn you, you learn to just be able to have the intuition to be like, this is going to work in, in, in the mix, you know, and mm. just like find a sound quickly. Cause I mean, 
I think the whole fix it in the mix mentality is one best to avoid. <laughs> you know, if you can engineer <laughs> something to sound like the final product before it even gets to mixing land, that's that's the best scenario. And I guess that lends itself quite well to recording live bands who ultimately kind of just want to sound or, or, or already sound powerful enough as a live band, say like a an office dog. Mm. You just got to, yeah. they're doing so much of the heavy lifting there in the room. Totally. Yeah, no, it's a perfect example, really. Because we only did that record in two and a half days. So there were there really wasn't any time to be like, oh, let's just try the, the drum mics in this way or let's, you know, fuck around with this guitar tone for ages. It's just like, nah, okay, let's just set two guitar amps up and have the guitar running to both of them and let's just put this this amount of drum mics up that are all sounding sick so we've got all the options later. And, and then it's just about getting them to play, you know. And we probably did like, tend to make, I feel like I don't know if we reached 15 takes of a song but we definitely were where we were in the teens of um of takes for songs and and just getting them like pushing them to the like you know breaking point where it's like you're really getting that transition from a bridge to chorus perfect or whatever um you know and there was minimal overdubs because of that the only thing we really utilized in overdub for was just making something bigger you know like a guitar double or like a just you know anything like that oh man it's just it's such a um such a hard-hitting guitar record and i don't Mm. i don't mean that in terms of like the songwriting or the songs themselves even though i think they have moments of that kind of thing but yeah just in terms of like some of those yeah some of those moments where the guitars or the entire band comes in Mm. um yeah that's what they sound like man yeah it's like they literally, the three of them have such like like tense, particularly Kane and Raz tense up so much with their playing. <laughs> and Mitchell hits the drums really hard, you know, when he wants to. So it's kind of like, I was just like, fuck, that sounds like, I went to the rehearsal room um, before we did it and just listened to the songs as they played them in the room and jotted down some ideas of how I wanted to mic things. And But it just sounded so good. I was like, fuck, you just have one mic. <laughs> right here, right where my head is, and it would sound perfect. Is there a um, part of that record or the or the um, recording process or the um, the final product of it that you're particularly satisfied with, or or, or particularly enjoyed? Hmm. Um. Is there like? Uh, do you mean like an aspect about it, or one song, or? Um, it's a, I'm leaving it very open to see what yeah. what jumps out at, at from you. I think the thing that satisfies satisfies me most is that um, is that the band and particularly Kane um, is satisfied with the record and likes the record. You know, because I know that him in particular, he's had like a an interesting relationship with music um, and with his solo project in particular. And, and he's a real perfectionist. Like that man is one of the hardest working songwriters I know. You know, he just like all day, you know, if he's not at work, he's sitting there with his guitar. And when he when he's out for a run, he's listening to his demos. And then when he gets home, he gets back to it, you know. And, um, and you know, he, said, he has said to me, like when we finished the record, he was, you know, that he was just, it, he, there was no time for perfectionism. It was just kind of like, okay, great. That sounds good. You know, and 
just the just him being satisfied and really loving the record and him feeling kind of almost liberated that he can just do you know it can just be a three-piece it doesn't have to be super layered or it can be kind of rough and imperfect and you know that was really satisfying mm. as you said well you, you said it and i it's not that i was surprised by it because um i'm a big fan of you as a musician as well um but i was surprised to hear you say that you thought of yourself as a musician first um and these etc other titles second Mm. how are you finding let's just say you are um quite in demand because your 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 records tend to somehow sound amazing every time um <laughs> well, thank you. funny yeah. that um and so like you're you're you you've probably got a lot of work on as well as obviously the full the full-time job around here as well which is a whole nother um aspect to what you do are you how are you finding balancing all of that with um creating that space for being a musician and being creative and in, in, in that kind of way well they're the same you know it is just the same i think i um i maybe for a while when i was leaning more into the production side and and starting to head down that road as more of a main focus i think i was i found it challenging to have that kind of artistic void within myself filled that usually songwriting and playing in the band and stuff would fill um but you know i think the more i do this and the more i sort of um get comfortable doing it to a point where it's not like a strain that each project's kind of like fuck i don't know what i'm doing you know which every project is really i mean but um i think now that i'm just more confident and comfortable that kind of like artistic aspect or whatever is is really there you know so it kind of um and I, i you know i do really think that engineering and putting up a microphone like it has this whole technical aspect to it um but it is it's another artistic craft you know and i um the whole like idea of the studio being an instrument or whatever i think you can see that in that um utilization in some producers and some engineers and and their attitudes and the way that they do things and i feel like that's what i strive for um you know it's not letting any of that stuff get in the way and more just like being creative and being in the song as much as the musician is. Um, and that's, I think where I like being a musician first is kind of like a benefit for me because, um, you know, it's as if I'm there playing the song with the artist when I'm recording with them, you know, it's like, um, I have, I have those, um, yeah, you know, that, that understanding and that knowledge kind of embedded in me already so that maybe my engineering leans more into being in favor with it rather than simply about the sonics. And are you as comfortable and confident with your own solo material and that kind of work as you are with maybe other people's or um, within the bands that you're a part of? Or is it, yeah. Confident, like in a, in a technical engineering way no i guess i'm getting at like obviously the the idea of your solo material having you up front the whole Mm. extra part of of being an artist i guess 
um, which you a lot of people tend to enjoy escaping when they're the one kind of working um, in the background per se mm. on music or maybe in bands. Are you equally as comfortable being up front as D Stevens? This is my music. I'm putting this out. <laughs> I mean, I think naturally probably less comfortable, <laughs> um, but I, um, no, I don't, I don't mind. I like, you know, I like people listening to stuff I make and, giving me feedback or um, or feeling something, you know, or feeling it even better, feeling something similar to what I felt when I was making it. So does, um, so does that mean there's more D. Stevens coming? Um, Potentially? I don't know. I, yeah, it's hard. I, I think I've got music that I've, I've been working on for too long and I think that I need to, you know, not spend... I think I used <laughs> to make stuff really quickly and now I don't have the time, so... It's kind of it's kind of hard. I don't like making things slowly. But that's um, that, that's I guess what I was asking about that um, juggling of uh, work and creative stuff. But mm. I, I guess you're also juggling um, the bands you're in, and mm. and yeah. and you know I'm I I I can assume with a band like Marlin's Dreaming, it's pretty easy and 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 maybe even justified that um, that kind of project might take creative precedence over. Um, solo work that is sitting there as well um i think the though the marlins thing might be like the more successful of the projects it's definitely um i don't think any of us have a feeling that it's the more sort of creative dependent one um mm -hmm. in any way and i think my solo stuff is just like it's kind of just where it's whatever it is like i don't really take it seriously it's, it's so just, good though well i, I appreciate that but i it's i yeah it's kind of like I get it. Some days I feel like, oh, I should have just never really put anything out anyway. It's kind of one of those things where I just sort of really love making it and it feels really special. And then um, I almost prefer that the whole kind of putting it out for people to hear is not part of it, you know. Mm. Um, but then again, I did say that I don't mind that. So <laughs> I, there's aspects of it that I do like. So I don't know. It's confusing. I'll get back to it one day. Who knows? But I think with the Marlins thing, it's – um. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely hard to juggle the, the, all the things, but um, I don't know. I get you. Get, I get so much of a trade off from each one. Like if I'm busy working on records and stuff for a few months, um, then I get a bit tired or fatigued, and then we go out on tour or something, and or you know rehearse or go write some stuff together, and then it's kind of rejuvenating. And then maybe tour in that world is getting a bit tired and I go back and make a record and it's refreshing. And so, you know, the two definitely inform each other. Mm. Yeah, that's a really healthy relationship between... It's not healthy though. <laughs> I would not say that what I have is, is healthy, <laughs> but it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess what I mean is like, um, it's nice that music is such a broad umbrella of um, roles and projects and things where it's not like we're having to arrive at the same desk every day for the rest of our lives looking at the same thing i guess over and over yeah. which is nice that kind of freedom and scope oh no i'm i'm so lucky to do the the work that i do it's um yeah i'm very lucky now obviously like especially through roundhead you'll be working on lots of um a, a wide array of stuff i'm sure um, that's coming through the doors and and I guess in your um, projects that you're doing with with like you say with friends 
things like that. Um, they tend to be a little bit more alternative or guitar centric potentially. Um, do you have, is, is, is there like a music that you enjoy or a genre or a style or vibe that, um, you haven't really got to dip your toes into yet, but it's something that you kind of think you would like to at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, like I've, I think, I've always wanted to make that dub record. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. I Well, I think classical music, but like more in the kind of contemporary, um, not quite as far as avant-garde, but like more kind of contemporary experimental classical music is stuff that I'm like, you know, if someone came to me and they were like, I want to make a record, like a pre- prepared piano record or like a, like a, it was just maybe like a chamber quartet or something. Like it was just, mm. you know, um, that kind of thing is something I've always wanted to get more into recording because it's so much less about the recording and way, way more about just the music. You know, you can just use one mic or two mics or whatever. But, and then I think jazz for sure because I, I remember I saw a jazz band playing in um, the bar Frieda's and Grayland up here. Um, a few months ago and I was just so like, I wanted to go up to them. It was almost like I wanted to go and ask them on a date afterwards, but it was more <laughs> like I wanted to go and be like, can I record you please? Um, but I didn't, but I really would love to, you know, record a, like a jazz trio in like the classic way, you know? Mm. Um, other than that, no, I, don't, I just, I love all the stuff I'm working on. I don't feel like unfulfilled by any of it, or that, but I feel like um, I, yeah, definitely want to be my. I want to be challenged a bit more and like not, like, yeah, have my boundaries pushed a bit. Um, yeah, so maybe some of that kind of like, yes, a funk record would, would, would be fucking sick mm. with like with something a bit more like hip hop, like classic, almost like seventies funk hip hop. I would love to work on some, something like that. Gonna hook you up with that band Revolver. Um, oh, from Wellington, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, all right, a couple of <laughs> couple of quick questions to finish off. Um, do you listen to music for enjoyment outside of working, and is that hard sometimes? Um, yes, it is hard, and I do still, yeah, listen to music for enjoyment. But yeah, it is, it is actually quite hard because mm. sometimes, some days I'm just like, it's yeah, it's a bit fatiguing listening to stuff all day, um, especially like the same thing. So it can, um, you can like get home and the last thing you want to hear is any, any music, but then sometimes it's like the best thing. It's like relief hearing something so sonically different. Um, but yeah, I still love like driving to work every day and listening to stuff and like getting inspired by new sounds or, um, yeah, no, I love it. And in, in your production and mixing, have you got a current, like learning obsession, something you're like deep diving into or really interested and excited about at the moment in terms of gear or technique or a certain, certain part of, of, of the process itself. Mm. (laughs) I'm not really sure. I don't think so. Okay. I think, um, uh, multiband compression. Oh, that's something I'm, I'm, my brain keeps heading towards right now doing doing fun things with multi-band compression. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. You got to ta- you got to tame that bass somehow, mate. Auxiliary sins. Oh, I love auxiliary sins. <laughs> What's your favourite thing to do with an auxiliary sin at the moment? Um, put drums through guitar pedals. Oh, yeah, very nice. Um, and last little question: What's the like? Other than utility, no, no, no. We'll, we'll keep it in. Fuck it. Um, what is the in the box plugin you find yourself reaching for the most at the moment? Ooh. Okay. Um, in the box plugin, probably <sighs> Sound Toys Devil Lock Ooh. is like just that and the Decapitator. Obviously, like if everyone uses this stuff, it's just like it's the best. It's the best. But I think Devil Lock is just like so versatile and just makes stuff sound big and woolly and does the job every time. Um, otherwise, like, good hurts. Good hurts make amazing plugins. Like, the Volf compressor is a classic. Mm, which is the, um, the, the modeled after the um, SP404 compressor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But it has kind of more – that was kind of – they just wanted to make that sound, which I think sometimes was a combination of, like, a lot of other things too, like mm. – some saturation and a bit of filtering and um but yeah just cool plugins really easy to use they don't have i don't always love plugins that try to look like the hardware but i also don't like plugins that don't look fun to use and they kind of like find a good middle ground yeah um, yeah and they just look pretty and they just put out a new one called tube or torp or tube or it's like tube and tape saturation and compression kind of all in one plugin and it's just Phenomenal. Oh, I just typed it in and because um, I've been, it's taken me to specifically to the pan pot because um, I've, oh, yeah. I've, I've been looking at buying that clearly. Um, oh, yeah. Tube. Tube yes. tube and tape. Oh, yeah. Looks looks funky. Fucking I, sick, man. I mean, I like to peruse um, YouTube producer land um, for giggles and, and, and for um, for learning sometimes as well. Um, and current- know, I I think there's some good stuff here and there, you know. There's totally. people have good things to say. I think um, it's. I've definitely been picking up that like the current um, scene uh, obsession has moved from um, compression to saturation. Everyone's just finding out about how saturation <laughs> can do X, Y, and Z. And there's it's it's now. I don't know if you're into like synth world, which is how I got into this. But um, mm-hmm. this is just a little tangent, but. Um, there was this whole thing where like um, these kind of like fun prehistoric um, doorless synths and some of the electron stuff and, and some of the Roland stuff and mm. um, creators started kind of popping up as like, oh, I put this stuff together and I, you know, like people have been doing mm. it for ages. But then it became so popular on YouTube that it started influencing the companies that made all this gear and they started mm-hmm. making gear for that community to use in a kind of like closed feedback loop you know what i mean yeah um and i feel like that that happens in like plugins these days as well now because of the like creator economy everyone's like wow everyone's into this like multi-band saturation and like we need like a satin competitor and we need like to do like all this crazy um stuff yeah Yeah. i mean sometimes i guess like a saturated market can be a benefit you know like instant communication with your um product provider and <laughs> it's, it's great. I um I don't mind that, and yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah, it's cool that people are kind of catching on to how compression and saturation are pretty similar things. 
And um, yeah, I mean, I love both. Vocals sound really good when you don't use much compression mm. and saturation. Okay, how technical and nerdy are we going to go? Man? As technical and nerdy as you want. This is gold. <laughs> I'm putting this up on YouTube. So, <laughs> just, just, but just this part to get to, uh, D, D Stevens tips and tricks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I might stop there then. Yeah, cool. Well, <laughs> I, I still have a dream of coming and um, hanging out at um, Roundhead and basically just getting, just pointing at, th- at um, hardware gear like we did over Instagram and being like, what's that? Why is, th- why is that? What is that? And you just calmly explaining to me all the different uh, things in that room. Now, there's a lot of great stuff here and I wish that um, I wish for everyone to come and you know visit and play and record and it's um yeah you don't find many places in the country that have all of this stuff just sitting here and um, it's a good vibe it's a it's a TikTok account waiting to be exploited D that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pitch it to Patty. You gotta get that raise. All right. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time, D, and I really appreciate it. And um, I just, I really appreciate your work um, and a lot of the music that has come through you, and also obviously come from people that you've worked with. But I think it's a very symbiotic relationship that's there for a reason. So mm. I really appreciate all all that you do. Oh, thank you, Isaac. I mean, I I could say the same about you and all the all the work that you you put in with the Harco stuff and just you know getting the word of music and great artists out there into the world. And I think um, a lot of us really respect respect what you're doing. It's all right. Um, I'll I'll just cut that part off. What was that? Sorry. I'll just cut that part off. Oh, okay. Because I'm in charge of the edit, so I can, right. you know, I, I know you said something really nice there, but I'm not really going to let everyone else know that you said something really nice. I want to keep this, like, mystique. It might be a bit, like, inflated of you to not edit it out. <laughs> we'll keep this in, but we'll just add phaser to it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That would be cool. <laughs>